Thank you so much for joining us for today's message. We believe that God is working in your life, and we would love to hear about it. So please send us an email at amen at r4sq.org. Again, thank you so much for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. And from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, verse 10, we find this. And I'm teaching today from the ESV. This is what it says. Now he, Jesus, was teaching in a synagogue on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she glorified God. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we lift up this time to you. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come right now. I ask you to release your presence in a powerful and magnificent way this morning. Sir, I thank you that you have a word just for your people. Give us ears what the Spirit is saying to us this morning. If there's anything distracting in my personality, sir, I pray that you would hide me behind the anointing. Now, sir, you have your way. You do it your way, and I'm going to follow you all the way. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. amen. So we're told that this woman had a crippling spirit. Do not be confused by that. That is not a demon, okay? We're not talking about the, uh, demonic uh, possession because it says that she had a crippling spirit. The reason I know that it was not demonic is that, number one, Jesus put his hand on her. It's the only time uh, that he would have done that. You see what I'm saying? If it was a demonic spirit, he, he put his hands on her, which is the way he healed the sick the majority of the time. So if it was a demonic spirit, he would not have done that. The second thing is he talked directly to the woman. He did not talk to a spirit. Okay? So don't be confused by that. It is not a demonic spirit that was crippling her. It was a crippling spirit. Okay, all good things, according to James, come from above. Would it, would it be safe to say that this is not good? I think there's, that's all we need to say about that. Dr. Luke said that this woman was bowed over. It is the only time in scripture that that phrase is used, bowed over. Now, theologians believe that her head, you're ready for this, was at her ankles. Now, I need you to get a visual just a second. Her head was at her ankles. It is believed to be a specific form of rheumatoid arthritis. Can you imagine the pain she must have been in? Every part of her body must have ached. She's been bent over for 18 years. Now, that's a significant chunk of life. Some of you have 18-year-old children. Some of you have been married for 18 years. Some of you have some sort of landmark for 18 years. It is a significant chunk of life. And I wonder at which point in that 18-year process when everything was shifting and her body was bending and being distorted, at what point in that 18 years did she grab a hold of that and say, this is my new norm? When did she come to the conclusion 
not told where she lived. We aren't even given a name. We're just told that this one particular day, she made her way to the synagogue. Now, I want to remind you that this woman's head is at her ankles, it is believed. Now, we don't know if she lived across the street, three miles away, or 30 miles away, but we know she didn't call an Uber. So how did she get there? I don't know how she got there, but I know she did it. So then I have to look around, not at anybody in this room, but I have to look at myself and say, you have a little sinus infection? So you stay home. You have a little sniffle? Sit down. How did this woman get here? Listen, if you've got a pain, you need to be here. That's part of what was happening. You've got to know where to go, Kim. You've got to know where to go and align yourself. Well, let me tell you what. We don't know how she got there, but she showed up. She did whatever it took to get herself there. She could not sit in a chair 
had a husband, he probably peaced out by now. I'm just saying. There's no evidence there's a man in the picture. There's not. Can you imagine the digestive problems that this woman must have had when she could get food into her stomach? I don't even know how you swallow with your head at your ankles. And then I have to wonder, how did she sleep? The pain, but how did she sleep? How did she get in the bed and then how did she get out? This broken, twisted woman there was nothing working. Well, there was this one thing. There was this one thing that day in the synagogue. You see, Jesus called her forward. His loving, caring eyes looked in the back of the room and he called her forward. That one thing was working, she heard his voice. John 10, 27 says, oh, you know my voice. Now, can you imagine Jesus sees her and he calls her forward. He's unmoved by her twisted and broken and bent body. He sees that little woman and he calls her. It must have been the longest, loneliest walk in her life. Let me describe the synagogue to you. If they did allow women in the synagogue, she would have leaned up against that back wall. Oh, you don't come in here. You stay back there. If they allowed you to go in at all. And then in the center, in the front, were the leaders, the Jewish leaders. And then behind them were the rest of the men. Now what happens is Jesus looks in the back of the room and he sees that little bent over woman. And he calls her. Now I have to wonder, do you think the other women beside her, if there were any, they say, Oh, the rabbi's calling you. He's calling you. I don't believe that even happened. You know why? She knows his voice. She didn't need anybody to tell her the rabbi was calling. She knew because he called her forward. She begins the long, lonely walk. Now, every man, I believe, in that synagogue turned around and stared as she tried to get to the Messiah. You know, I'm reminded of Matthew 12, 13, and it says, Then Jesus said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched out his withered hand. What he didn't do was stretch out his good one. He wasn't embarrassed. He stretched out the beat-up, crooked hand. The withered little hand. Well, let me tell you, people believe that that long walk when Jesus called this broken woman forward was one of the meanest, cruelest things he could have done. I don't believe a word of that. Because sometimes the very situation that you're walking through is not even for you. Sometimes your situation is for the person in the other room. But you're having to walk through a thing. Let me tell you what she didn't do. She didn't go, I can't do this. I cannot walk in front of all these people staring at me. Don't make me. What did she do? She's getting hers. Because she knew. I believe she knew it was. Sometimes we're required to stretch outside of what we're comfortable with other folks seeing the truth. The very place where we're, com- we're not comfortable with people knowing the truth. He, pull- he pulls out that crooked hand. She walks to the front 
with her body all bent and broken. He singled her out in the back. His compassionate voice. He called her to himself. And somehow, she made her way. She made her way. She crept to the front. She was trying to find that voice. You see, he waited.
stay-at-home mom with three sons. I was in severe pain, and the pain could not be controlled with over-the-counter uh, pain meds. So I made an appointment, and the, the testing began. You see, my white cell count was high. I had intermittent fever with bone pain that worsened with every step that I took. I had continuous headaches that led to vomiting, hip pain and back pain that were unbearable. I was tested for multiple sclerosis. I was tested for rheumatoid arthritis, systemic lupus, Crohn's disease, and various genetic autoimmune diseases. There were many appointments with neurologists that would follow. Con uh, nerve conduction velocity test. Friends, I'm telling you something. After two years, I lost hope. And after two years of excruciating pain, a diagnosis would be made. I'll never forget it. The doctor walks in and he says, ankylosing spondylitis. Not only could I not pronounce it, didn't know how to spell it, never heard of it. He looks me in the eyes and basically he says, and you're going to die. And that was the bottom line. Now, my children are here today, and they do not know all these details that I'm sharing, so here we go. But basically, they said, you're dying. You're going to die. We had gotten to the place that the pain was so severe that I am convinced I could feel my hair grow. I'm convinced I could feel my nails grow. And all the medications for arthritis, it's a crippling arthritis. And all the medications were like baby aspirin. So finally, the doctor said, we're going to try the grandfather medication, and it's called endomethacin, and I pray that nobody in this room even knows what that is. So I began to take the medication because, you see, we're desperate. And the side effects, more headaches, dizziness, swelling in the ankles and all the extremities, increased heartbeat, flu-like symptoms that never ceased, and confusion. And I did I mention that I'm trying to shuffle a household of three little boys? And then the last final side effect was I gained a hundred, one hundred pounds on this medication. You see, you will do whatever you need to do when you're desperate. You will take meds that you would when Jesus ain't showing up, what are you going to do? And he was not showing up yet. Come on. Yes. So let me tell you about this disease very quickly. A lot of doctors call it broomstick spine. And basically what it is, your vertebrae begin to fuse. And rather than being able to bend, and rather than being able to turn your head, what happens is your bones fuse together like a broomstick, which keeps you from walking, okay? And then gravity pulls at your head, right? And eventually what happens is your head will end at your ankles. And your organs will be severed, and you will die. Everything hurts. You know, my husband would bring me downstairs in the morning. He had already gotten to the place where he would have to bathe me and he was dressing me. And he would bring me down in the mornings and 
I would stay there until evening when he would come back so that I could go back up to the bedroom. And when my children were there, I would walk and hold on to things. They never knew. I don't know that they've ever even commented about it. And when Jay and I were together, I always had my hand in my arm and his. But when they weren't there, then I had to use a cane because I could not walk. Because my hips were already severed, uh, already fusing. And we were trying to protect them from what was ahead. Make it a little easier, right? Rather than at one time. So I'm physically shut down. And I'm just going to be honest. I'm emotionally done. Because we just buried our father in the middle of this. We've been out in our backyard. I'm done. You haven't been done. Tell me if you've been done. Like, I'm over it. You hear me? I'm over it. Boy, I'm just glad it's just us friends this morning. It was October 27th, 2000. And I was on a mission trip to Zamora, Mexico with a group of 12 people from this church. Isn't God good? Amen. And you see, there were two men, a translator and a pastor. And they said, hey, we want to pray over your team. There are 12 of us. And we're sitting in rubber-made chairs on a dirt floor with no ceiling. And we're all sitting down. And one by one, he calls each of us to the front. Because you see, they were going to pray over us. And they were, honestly, they were going to give everybody a perfect word. Now, I'm already the most broken woman in the world, okay? But we're all sitting. And one by one, he calls them forward. So they each go, we get to about number seven. And I, I remember weeping. And I'm like, God, why would you do this? You're going to let them forget me in my most broken state? Are you really going to do that? I just need something from you. Number eight, number nine, number ten, number eleven. And I sat weeping in the puddle. Nothing was happening, Pastor. Nothing. Everything stopped. And I'm like, okay, we're about to load the bus, and we're going. And all of a sudden, those two little men got up, and they walked to my chair. You see, they didn't ask me. They didn't ask me to come to the front because I could not make it to the front. But God sent them to me. Did you hear me? They didn't know. He sent them to my chair. And I walk to them. And I remember them weeping, and the guy picks me up, picks up my hands, and stands me up to my feet. He didn't know. He did not know. Yes. He stands me to my feet, and I remember weeping and weeping, and our whole team's weeping because they do know. And weeping and weeping. And he hadn't translated a word yet. They are warring over me. Yes. And I remember he took my hands and he slapped them up in the air. And they're warring and they're fighting and they're praying. And all of a sudden, yes. all of a sudden, I remember my eyes were closed and my fingers started tingling. Yes. And I remember running down my fingertips. Right. What was it? Was it nothing? 
and it rolled down into my shoulders, and I remember it rolling down my spine. It was so hot, I thought my clothes were on fire. And it rolled down my spine and into my hips where I could not walk, and into my legs, and I remember thinking, what is this? Let me tell you something, I wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit yet. Now hold on to that for a minute. I've never had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, but let me tell you, I was the right person at the right place at the right time. Doing all I knew to do. The most important woman in the world. He said, You're going on this mission trip. What I say? No, I'm not. I can't. I can't get to the airport. How am I going to carry this luggage? He said, James Dorsey. So I left this place unable to walk. And 12 days later, I'm running to my family in the airport. Yeah. 
you better tell somebody. My faith is out the roof today. And I expect for the miraculous power to be used in this house. Period. Because I'm placing a demand on it. There's a reason he said 18 years later you're going to tell your story. There's a reason that he paralleled it with that little woman in the back of that room. The miraculous power was released. Amen? You know, I don't know about you, but I'm bold enough, and I'm brave enough, and I have the faith enough for your miracle today. I'm not talking about a headache being healed or a sore arm. I'm talking about a so much for joining us for today's message. We hope you enjoyed it. If you would like more information about our church, please check out our website at www.r4sq.org. Thank you so much for joining us. Be blessed and have a great week.